Hello and welcome to the Event Industry News Podcast. This podcast is kindly sponsored by N200GES, our smart event solution partner. For more information on N200 and its smart event solutions, visit n200.com. So a very good morning, afternoon or evening to all of our viewers who have connected to the live stream of today's podcast via eventindustrynews.com. This is the first time that the podcast has been live streamed and you'll be pleased to hear that this will now happen regularly at 6 p.m. UK Standard Time. Keep your eye on eventindustrynews.com or download the brand new Event Industry News app which will keep you notified of all the latest content. The live stream will allow you to interact in real time with our guests, giving you the power to put questions directly to them and get your opinions heard. You can submit your questions via the live stream window on your device or by tweeting us at Event News Blog and including the hashtag EIN podcast. In today's episode, we're going to explore five key habits of successful event managers. The topic itself is very subjective, so I'm sure that viewers and listeners will have their own opinions on what we're going to discuss, but to tell us more is today's guest. Joining us from Raleigh, North Carolina, over in the USA, is Alex Lassiter. Alex is the co-founder and vice president of customer experience at Gather, a company that specializes in event management software for restaurants and venues. Alex, a very warm welcome to the podcast. James, glad to be here. Fantastic to have you on board. As I said in the introduction, um, exploring five key habits of successful event managers is is what I consider to be quite a subjective introduction straight away because some people's top five habits may not be other people's top five habits. Other people may say, well, what is a successful event manager full stop? How do we define it? Um, I've got the five habits that we're going to be talking about today. Um, so why don't we open it with that first one? They track event analytics and growth. What can we what can we do with that and why would tracking event analytics and growth create a successful event manager? Well I think I think your point there at the beginning um, makes uh, really explains this a lot is what does success actually mean? Um, so if I'm an event manager, um, I think that's the first question I ask everybody is, well, what does it mean to be successful for you? Um, does that mean that your, uh, your sales are going to go up? Does that mean that you're going to get uh, more attendees than last year? Does it mean that your guests are going to be delighted? I think the first thing that any uh, event manager really needs to focus on is what's really important to them. And if they look back um, at the conclusion of the event or the season or the year, they need to determine kind of like what um, what are the results that they're, they're looking to get? Um, I think a lot of uh, event managers and I think a lot of people in business in general sometimes struggle to ask that first question before they actually get going and that sort of leads you to this feeling of you know, uh, treading water a little bit and not knowing if you're being successful but I think people need to know where they're headed first before they can actually do anything and once they do that it becomes a question of how do you come up with the right analytics to track to make sure that you do hit your goal. And when we say tracking event analytics and growth, this may sound a strange thing to say, but not all events are necessarily about growth. Mm-hmm. And all events will generate different types of analytics. So um, is it always necessarily looking at the growing side of things or is it how the analytics themselves grow? Are there different ways that we can interpret the word growth when we're looking at an event's results? 
Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think it all sort of depends on, um, again, like what kind of your goals on the onset are. Um, if, let's take an example where maybe you have a, maybe you're running an event where the capacity itself can't grow, you can't get more attendees to come, you've got to think about other reasons that, you know, you're doing what you're doing. And, and maybe that could mean, uh, from a financial perspective, it could be uh, higher profitability. Um, on another set of things, it could just be delighting your customers. You know, I know that, um, James, I know that y'all plan a, a, a number of events every year, and I'm sure that one of the big things that drives you is, people coming back and saying, you know what, I've been here, you know, two, three, four events in a row. I really enjoy it. I find a lot of value in it. I think that's really important. You know, it's not all about sales numbers and more and more and more. Sometimes it's about better and higher quality. Do you think there's any scenario in 2017 where a successful event could happen without tracking analytics of any description? Well, I think it could happen. I think that you probably wouldn't know if it was successful or not. You know, I think if you aren't measuring anything and you're not really identifying what um, what goals you want to hit, I think it makes it a little bit difficult to be able to kind of look back and assess and feel like you you accomplish what you set out to do. Um, you know, I think for for some folks, the big question a lot of times is what are the right metrics to track if you know you want to increase sales or you want to increase um, customer satisfaction or whatever it might be. I think um, a lot of times people, if anything, I think sometimes get add too many analytics to things and they track too many numbers and they don't actually know what the numbers actually mean in the first place. So what would some of the key analytics in, in your own particular field of expertise and, and at the top of the episode I introduce you as uh, being from a company that specializes in, in software for restaurants and venues specifically. So in those scenarios, what are some of the key analytics that your clients would be looking to track in order to help them with their, with their growth and with their further development? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I tend to look at sort of two things. Um, one is um, from a behavioral standpoint, what are the things that we can track? Are people, uh, are we getting more parties? Are more people attending our events? Are more people uh, spending more money at our restaurant? Um, are we, um, are our ticket sizes getting larger? Um, and then I think there's a, another side of it, which is more on the attitudinal side, which is, um, are our guests happy? Would they come back? You know, would they be a promoter of our services? So when I sit down with a restaurant or a vet venue, the first thing I take a look at is, are we doing the same volume we did last year or are we doing more? So how many events are we doing in this period versus last year, this period? Uh, the second thing I look at is, um, are we getting the same amount of attendance per uh, event or is that going up or down? So we want to know are we selling um, larger parties or are party sizes um, shrinking? Um, the last piece uh, in terms of the three big analytics I look at is what, it, what am I getting on a, a per head spend? Um, so is my average guest coming in and, and they're spending um, you know, $100 uh, ahead or are they spending $50 ahead? That can make a big difference. Mm -hmm. um, and neither one of those, by the way, themselves are necessarily good or bad. It's more about what are your goals. Um, so if I look, you know, sit down with a client and I look back at the last 12 months and I see that, um, you know, maybe they've attracted more parties, uh, but they're smaller parties and the price per head has dropped. Um, it's, yes, it's good that they're selling more parties, but at what cost? You know, if their idea of success is to make more money, 
then they need to figure out ways to increase um, you know, the spend per guest or they need to start looking to reach out to folks who are planning larger parties to be able to attract more people. Um, and I, guess, I guess if we were to translate that into other event scenarios, the spend per head uh, example that we would use in the restaurant scenario could translate to the amount of trade stands or booths that, that mm -hmm. a, an attendee would interact with during a trade exhibition, for example. So it's just fundamentally the same analytic, isn't it? But it's, it's, it's how much you're getting from that particular customer or attendee at an event. That's exactly right. It's how deep is your, your relationship with that customer um, for this business? You know, like how much are you actually getting from them for everything that you're, in terms of the goods that you're providing? Are they buying more? Are they interacting more? Are they doing more while they're there? So that's tracking event analytics and growth. And, and don't forget for everybody tuning into the live stream uh, today that you can submit your questions. If you're on Twitter, uh, go to at event news blog and tweet us with the hashtag EIN podcast. If you've got a question to put to Alex uh, today or if you've got a comment on what you think uh, are successful habits of successful managers. Um, and you can also submit the questions via the window that you're using to watch the live stream today. Moving on to point two, Alex, what we're looking at here in uh, as a successful ha or a habit of a successful event manager, they have a strong digital presence. Now this would seem, I guess, fairly obvious again, given that we're 2017 and, you know, even sat right now, we're doing this uh, podcast from opposite sides of the Atlantic Ocean using, you know, a digital presence. So is that not something that, that's pretty obvious or can we expand on what people know already? Well, you know, I think people do a really great job today um, about their social digital presence. Um, I think there's some something to be gained from having a more professional digital presence as well. Um, yes, I, I think that we're all, you know, at this point probably all on Facebook and a number of other things, but um, really making sure that your own personal brand um, is well represented on tools like LinkedIn and more professional networks I think is really valuable. Um, mm -hmm. Something that um, I tell people all the time is uh, think about the different ways that you might interact with uh, a potential client. Um, you can call them on the phone, you can meet them in person, you can send them an email. Um, but there's other things too. So you can get on Twitter and you can find something that they're, uh, they're involved in. You can retweet them. You can uh, connect with them on LinkedIn to establish another relationship connection there. I think as you start to do that, you grow your network. Mm -hmm. um, and you really deepen the relationships that you have with those folks, and it doesn't seem as artificial as just um, you know interacting with them on a one-to-one -one basis. Sure, um, we've had we've had some questions start to come in already. Um, one of which, particularly, I'm actually going to leave till the end before we've covered all five of of, of the the good habits, so to speak, and and that perhaps gives an indication as to, as to what the question may be. Um, but when we use the word, uh, the term social platforms when we're talking about digital presence, um, do we still make the mistake in the events industry of thinking that all digital platforms are suitable for all types of events? Now when I say that, you know, Facebook is a social network and it's a, an, an undoubtedly powerful, powerful marketing tool. But I still question its relevance in B2B scenarios, for example. How many of your actual business connections 
are you also connected with on Facebook and, and what sort of presence could that have I, I would see things as LinkedIn and Twitter as perhaps still being stronger in that in that scenario um, is there still an evaluation and a careful evaluation that has to take place from event to event to decide which levels of digital presence are actually relevant to an event I think there are certainly um, examples where you may not want to use like a Facebook or something like that you can be more selective about it I tend to go from the school of thought of you know doing something is better than doing nothing I think you mm -hmm. can kind of paralyze yourself with decision-making if you're trying to decide is this message more appropriate for Twitter or more appropriate for LinkedIn or more appropriate for Facebook um, I think if I'm doing outreach uh, and I'm trying to get the word out about something that I'm doing I'm gonna look at as broad a net as I can cast that might be on Facebook it might be on LinkedIn it might be on Twitter uh, if I'm trying to establish a real business to business relationship with somebody you know I probably start on something that's a little bit less social so maybe I start with a LinkedIn or a Twitter that's a little bit lighter touch before actually like friending somebody necessarily on Facebook mm -hmm. um, but I think that to me at least if if what you're trying to do is is get the word out and you're trying to reach a broader network you've got to use all the tools that you can and in the amount of time you probably spend thinking about which one is more appropriate you probably can defer to action and actually get out and you know start meeting people um, question that's come in via the uh, the live stream um, did these habits exist before technology and I, and I guess what the um, the question is 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 looking at the angle that it's coming from is that certainly point one where we're tracking event analytics and growth could we have done that or could an event a successful event manager have tracked any form of analytics prior to their ability to to log into a, a management system for example a, a registration system or a, a, some other digital tool to help them do that yeah yeah I mean definitely analytics I mean I think that people have been tracking things for as long as you know business has been around um, I think that um, digital tools help to make that easier and it helps you to consume more information in a more um, I guess in a quicker fashion like I can check on the five key statistics that my company looks at you know on my phone in five seconds which is you know 50 years ago I would probably have to pull up some sort of a ledger or you know mm -hmm. something that I've actually written down but I think for um, you know I, I think this stuff has been around forever and I think that um, again if, if you're not counting and you're not looking at the statistics and the metrics of what you're doing then um, you know I think you're really behind the eight ball there okay let's um, let's have a look at point number three then of uh, good habits or habits of a successful event manager they pay attention to details what what depth of detail are we talking about here because some event managers out there may be thinking well hold on how can I pay attention to the minor details when I've got a vast event that I'm looking after you know surely my job is to look at it as an overall entity and then I have team members or other staff or people that are supporting the event who look at the, the closer details do they really need to go into that much detail as an overall event manager yeah I mean I think that you know to to, to that question you probably uh, you, you can't be everywhere at once right you can do as much as you can um, but I think if you're trying to execute an event especially on a large scale um, the details are what people really remember you know if you're really trying to and in, in our industry for instance we're in the hospitality industry so um, for us the events that we're dealing with are 
really special events to people. You know, our clients might do 20 or 30 events a month, but if each one of those events is a wedding, you know, or somebody's 50th wedding anniversary or corporate holiday party, those events mean a lot to people. Mm -hmm. And I think as an event manager, you can sometimes be, I guess to the first point here, you can be looking at the metrics all day and be thinking about dollar signs and number signs. Um, but you have to remember that if you're in the events industry, ever, pretty much everything that you're, you're putting your hands on has additional value to people and it's important to people and it's special. And so to that extent, I think that if you're really good at what you do, you do think about the details. Um, you build an extra time to um, think about small ways to delight your guests, mm -hmm. um, whether it's, uh, you know, again, in our industry where that is related more to, you know, hospitality and, and things that you can do to make the guests feel warmer, um, or even at a large event, you know, doing things that make it feel more personal and feel more topical and more relevant. Um, you know, if you're doing a large event, chances are the person who's attending it is spending a, a good bit of their day there, or if they're taking off work, or they're taking off something that they were going to do before, they're paying a good amount of money to take something back with them, and, you know, I think that the details are really important. Um, you know, you can't look at these things just in terms of dollars and cents. And I guess every, everybody can relate to going to an event of some description and feeling a bit like a number, you know, mm -hmm. not having that personalized experience. And I suppose it could be difficult to try and contend with that when you are dealing with very large scale events. Um, but I suppose fundamentally, if you've got an event that's attracting in the thousands as, it, as its numbers, but you can make everybody walking through that door feel like they're meant to be there and feel like there's something there that's been specifically put together for them, mm -hmm. then you are going to win that battle to an extent of, of reducing the number of people that feel like they're just another number walking through the door. Exactly, exactly. And I think a lot of that, whether you're planning an event for 10 people or 10,000 people, um, that first impression is really the, the most important thing, I think, there. Um, mm -hmm. So whether that's registration, uh, whether that's arriving at the restaurant, whether it's kind of setting foot in the venue for the first time, um, your first interactions, I think, is where the majority of people draw those opinions. Um, and if you can do things to make that more personable, be it have somebody at the front who's got some way to be able to identify somebody on a one-to-one -one relationship, I see your LinkedIn profile, I know exactly mm -hmm. who you are, um, or being able to pull other things and kind of bring them in and walk them through what the event's going to look like. Um, you know, and again, in the restaurant industry, walking into a restaurant, having somebody say, you know, hey, Mr. Lasseter, it's great to see you. Um, you know, here's a glass of your favorite, you know, wine varietal. That's sure, going to, yeah, yeah. that's, I'm going to remember that, you know, like that is something that I'm going to go back and it doesn't matter about a lot of the other things going on. I'm going to feel warm that I'm going to feel like I belong. And I feel like, again, like you said, I'm not just one of, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a metric, you know, I'm not like a, I'm not an analytic on this person's balance sheet. Now, I guess that the, the irony about what you've just said there is that point three about paying attention to details actually relates back to point number one where you're tracking event analytics because in order to make sure that the, the, the attendee or the visitor or the guest or the audience member is not feeling like just another number, you can use the tools that are available now as an event organizer to actually look at the numbers, can't you? 
if you exactly. look at the analytics and you can see what somebody ordered last time, or as I said, looking at the um, the uh, trade exhibition scenario, you can see which company somebody visited last year and what information they picked up from which company or which particular conference session that they attended last year and what the topic was. You mm -hmm. can then use that analytical data to tailor and create that attention to detail the following year, can't you? Mm -hmm, absolutely, and and um, we're at, at Gather, we're a, um, we are a software company. I mean, that, that's exactly what we are. We serve the hospitality industry, the events industry, uh, but we tend to think of ourselves more as like a, we think of ourselves more as like a hospitality company that sells software as opposed to the opposite. And um, as a result of that, um, by joining Gather, there's a lot of readings that you do. There's a lot of books that we recommend. Um, we're reading one right now called uh, Setting the Table by Danny Meyer. Um, he's a, a famous restaurateur in the U.S. Um, and basically, he has a he has a uh, an idea called um, connecting the dots. So always be connecting the dots. He says A B C D. Um, and I think to your point earlier, in terms of utilizing uh, software, or utilizing technology to provide somebody with a better sense of hospitality, it's all about connecting the dots. So you walk in. I'm able to look from your LinkedIn profile that you came, you know, you're from this town and I know a, a restaurant in that town and you might know that or you came from this place and you went to school here and I might know somebody else who's done that. But as long as you're trying to use those tools to be able to drive to a higher level of hospitality, I think, um, I think there's some easy wins to be had. You sound like a complete pro because you just mentioned using the right tools, which brings us perfectly on to point four. Um, which is utilizing the right tools. One of the habits of a successful event manager um, is utilizing the right tools. Um, successful event managers know that they don't have to do it all on their own. Rather, there are several cost-effective technologies to help manage their daily operations. Um, I guess it, it, in one, that's absolutely true, and I would agree with that. Um, what I, I would put to you on that point, utilizing the right tools is, how do they find out what are the right tools when there are so many tools out there nowadays? Yeah, that's a that's a great question, and you know it's something that um, you know gather at least like in our company we probably use twenty different softwares to be able to do different things, and I think that's just the nature of the world we live in, where there's a technology, there's a there's like an app for anything, and there's a technology sure. for anything. Um, I think you've got to keep your mind open to um, trying some different things and seeing what's successful. Um, you know, I, I think none of this stuff, whether it's digital presence or social media or anything like that, is going to, none of that stops you from having to go out and network with your community. You should know other event planners around you. You should know other event, you know, managers and mm -hmm. venues and restaurants. You should get out yeah. in your community, like physically get out and actually go talk to people. I tend to find that the things that I use and like the most are usually referrals. Um, so I'll, I'll talk to somebody who's using something that's pretty cool and, you know, I'll play around with it before actually making a decision to purchase it myself. But, um, you know, I tend to think that, um, you've got to stay open and, and you've got to talk to people. So when we're talking about utilizing the right tools, what perhaps we may need to get across to people is the right tool may not be something that you access on your computer or your phone or a digital device. It may not even be something physically that you would access in your office space environment. The right tool could be 
a train ticket to the next city to yep. go and see an event that's similar to yours to find out what they're doing and see if there's anything that you can pick up on. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, I, I think that we, so at Gather, um, for our sales team, we talk about the tools that we have being uh, phone, uh, email, and actually getting out and meeting people. Um, a lot of people wouldn't think of that as a tool, but in the same way that, that you're describing it there, uh, all a tool is is something that helps you get to your goal easier and more efficiently. Um, there's certainly digital tools, there's software tools, um, but yeah, there's there's getting out and, and going to talk to somebody. There's you know going to a going to another event and doing some mystery shopping and learning what other folks are doing. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, I think there's a lot of things there. It's just again, it, it sort of comes back to you need to know what your goals are and you need to know what success looks like, and then you need to find ideally the, the the easiest, the fastest, and the simplest way to be able to get there. And a lot of times that's going to be use, utilizing technology or or, or other things. Yeah, I'm just going to go flip, flip back a, a couple of minutes to um, to uh, a quick sentence that, that you uttered, which is that, you know, there's an app for everything and, and, you know, there's an app for that. You know, we're all familiar with, with the term, but I think one of the problems now perhaps is that there isn't just an app for that. There are 10 apps for that exactly or 20 right. apps for that. And that's the minefield is not finding necessarily something that will do a job that you want to do. It's actually finding which one of those offerings is the right one for you and how they can be used um, and, and that's perhaps the minefield that people have been in. In your experience of dealing again specifically in your sector with the restaurant and the venue side of things you've obviously got your own offering that, that, that does a certain job for them but have you been able to support or help clients when they have been searching for other tools and perhaps make recommendations or help talk them through the process of how they would do that research? Uh, absolutely, absolutely. You know, when when we sit down with uh, with a client of ours, when we even internally and externally, we call them partners. Um, we want to be a trusted resource for them, and and that's not to say that we're experts on everything, um, but I think that um, we 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 are honest and 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 we're constantly looking around and trying to understand the industry ourselves and listening to people. And what we want to do is be able to provide. Um, you know, an honest and trustworthy resource to people. And if somebody, one of our clients said, hey, you know, I'm looking for a good point of sale provider or I'm looking for a good, um, you know, tool to do X, I, I, I think that it's, it is, again, it's hospitable for me to be able to have a recommendation, you know, for me to be there and say, you know what, uh, I'm not an expert on that. That's not something that Gather does. But, you know, I do know that a lot of people use this. And um, I'd be happy to introduce you to some other folks that do. I can still be really helpful without just like solving it. So I think any, for anybody that's that's listening on the venue uh, or event planner side or on the software side, I think you know leverage the relationships that you have. Um, I wasn't sure where you were going with that question of of kind of how do you determine, um, but I I think that um, if you're looking at business tools and specifically if we're thinking about softwares and apps and technology tools. Mm -hmm. What I challenge everybody to do is to not just look at it as a feature. Don't look at the app or the tool or whatever as a sum of its features. It's more than that. Get to know the people behind it. Have good relationships with your vendors and your partners. And if you're going to adopt a, uh, a tool that's gonna help you in the events industry, get to know the people on the other side because inevitably, if you're in business 
for a long time. You want them to be in business for a long time. And you yeah. may like what they're doing today, but, you know, hell, in 10 years, who knows what we're going to be planning events on and who knows what the landscape is going to be like or what sort of softwares or technologies we're going to have. I mean, you know, 10 years ago, it didn't look like, you know, half the things we have today weren't there. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it um, that the landscape has changed dramatically, and as you say, with the with the pace that everything has developed, with it, it, even in the last two years, you mm -hmm. know, who knows where we could be in in ten years' time, and what the right tools may be. And I'm sure that utilizing the right tools and and what those tools are is something that is going to evolve inevitably yeah. with time as well and that will either refine itself down I don't think it's going to continue to grow uh, who knows you know there may be people out there that completely disagree with that um, I, I think like a lot of things you know when new technologies come to the fore you have a lot of different offerings and the cream rises to the top and sooner or later things refine themselves down to the ones that work well that are easy to access and that do the job that they're intended to do quite easily um, mm -hmm. I don't know if that, that's something again that, 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 that ties in on that. We, we should move on to point five because today's podcast, if you've just tuned into the live stream, um, we're looking at habits, five key habits of successful event managers um, and we're talking to Alex Lasseter from Gather um, and point number five on the list that we're working through today is, is they're constantly learning. An event manager, a successful event, event manager is constantly learning and not only that but they make learning a habit it's something that they I guess ingrain into their very nature is to constantly be looking to absorb um, how uh, rather than asking you what your views are on that particular point are you able to reference any clients of your own and customers that you've worked with and partners that you've worked with where you've seen examples of the ones who really do strive to constantly learn that's a great question. Uh, that is a really great question. Um, trying to think a really good example because I think a lot of our clients, I think Gather itself is a new technology. We've been around for three and a half, four and a half years. And um, if you were to use Gather, then by default, you're kind of looking at new ways to do stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I think um, somebody that I think does a really great job about really understanding the landscape is actually, it's a local restaurant group um, to Atlanta um, where our company's headquarters um, called Ford Fries Restaurant Group. When we started with them, I think they had about five restaurants. Now they've got over 10. Um, they are constantly evaluating everything. It's mm -hmm. like they live in a permanent state of flux. Um, and it's really cool because there's never this moment where, um, they, they've got a, a, a guy kind of on the operations side, his name's Toby Franklin. He's actually, um, he's actually from the UK. Um, and Toby, it's like he's never satisfied with the tools that are out there, but also at the same time is, is understanding that that's okay. Um, he's always looking at different functions of the business and seeing if there's ways to improve things. Um, I feel like he's got just a mentality that it's not that things aren't, aren't or are broken it's just there's always ways to get better and so we should always live with like this growth mindset that yeah we can always do a little bit better we can always learn a little bit more we can always find something that's a little bit stronger um, but we need to remain open to that you know we need to be uh, we don't need to be closed off to things um, whether it's new softwares or new processes or anything like that I, I found it really really impressive 
Can can that be a bit of a dangerous game to play though uh, for a, an event manager that might be looking after quite a large team of people? You know, if if we've got any uh, staff or event managers from some of the big event companies um, working there, they'll think, well, hold on, I've got a staff of you know fifty, sixty, seventy different people working for me for this particular event. If I'm constantly reevaluating what I'm going to use and what I'm going to do, and oh, I've learned how to do that this week, so now we're going to roll that out. Isn't there a danger then that you can just confuse the message out to your team? Well, I think I think it's all about like anything else. It's 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 all about a, a balance. Um, there's a, a a pretty popular new um, topic called a, a growth mindset um, versus this first a, a fixed mindset. And the idea is, if you're in an organization and it starts at the top, um, and you have a growth mindset, that would mean that you're open to new possibilities. You're opening to better ways of doing things, and you're open to learning. Um, but if you're if you're in an organization with a lot of folks with only a fixed mindset, then you're right. You're gonna confuse everybody. You're gonna get uh, you're gonna face a lot of challenges in terms of moving forward, and things are gonna get disorganized. But if as a leader you can encourage your own folks um, across the company to also share in that, um, what you get is a honestly a really nimble way to operate and you've got a way that everyone is constantly looking at ways to make it better. It doesn't mean you have to change directions every five minutes, but it does mean that, you know, if you can leverage 60, 70 people to be looking at, hey, what, you know, is, is there a better way for me to do this? And you create avenues yeah. for people to be open. I mean, you can do so much. Um, I, so I guess that I would actually think that it's even more important for a larger company to be able to think like that because those are the ones that tend to get stuck and then they get disrupted, you know, 10 years later. Um, I'm going to fire a question at you now, which came in earlier on during the podcast, um, and it came in via the uh, the live stream window that uh, that our listeners and our viewers can use to submit their questions whilst we're streaming these podcasts now live. Um, and the question is, what habits should I avoid? Because we've spoken today about five habits of successful uh, event managers, so that they're the ones that we're trying to encourage. Um, in your experience of, of dealing with clients and with event managers, are there any habits that you think that guy could really do with knocking that on the head fairly quickly? Um, I think the biggest thing is, uh, is watching your attitude. Um, I think that um, we're discussing a lot of things today that, that are challenging and, and they require a lot of work and they require a lot of dedication. Um, the one thing that everybody has control over is their, their outlook on things. Um, mm -hmm. I tend to find that the folks that are closed off and, um, you know, they're met with, um, when they're met with challenges, they sort of react in a stressful way or a negative way. I tend to find that those folks are, are really getting in the way of themselves being successful. Um, so I think that uh, the big habit that I would say is, you know, don't hold grudges. If you lose out on a deal or things don't go well and you don't find success, don't beat yourself up over it. Um, if you're, um, having a tough day, you know, leave it outside the office and come in with a smile and, and, you know, optimistic, uh, point of view, come in with confidence. Don't, um, you know, I guess that's, that, that's what I would say is, is kind of holding things over is, is a pretty negative thing to do. Yeah. And I, I would, um, I suppose if I'm going to add for what it's worth an opinion or, or, or an addition to that is that life moves so quickly now and at such a pace in in any business sector that 
if you come in that one day that you come in with a negative attitude could be the one day where somebody's looking for something um, they speak to you and they get a bad vibe off you and so they pick up the phone or they email the next guy and he comes back boom straight away and, yep. and they hit it off and suddenly the business is gone you know stuff moves so quickly now that there's very little chance or less chance I think than there was 10 or 15 years ago of, of recovering from a, a bad day exactly um, if, if we can call it that exactly yeah leave it at the door come in smile you know do your best as long as you're doing those things then you're gonna find success um, be smart in the way that you approach things and be diligent about it um, but yeah, you can't let that stuff kind of get to you. It's business. It's not always going to work out. If it was, we'd all be, you know, millionaires. I'm I'm keen now. Now that we've sort of addressed each point chronologically, the, and and the five the five habits. Um, again, I'd, I'm quite interested to know whether or not um, you're able to reference specific examples perhaps of some of these points that we've highlighted today, using your experience of your own customers and your own partners. Um, particularly looking at um, things like event analytics and growth. You did touch on it very, very briefly, um, but perhaps looking at some key examples of where a client of yours has looked at something and through a direct correlation to some of the analytics they've been able to look at, they've been able to make a clear business decision that's then had a positive impact. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, we've got a client um, out of... Um out of Florida, they're a, a much larger uh, uh, group, and I feel like they're extremely detail-oriented. They're very smart about metrics. They're very smart about tracking. Um, but what's really important and, and what's really interesting about them is that they're not, they're not just looking at numbers for the sake of numbers. They look to it for action. Um, they um, they kind of taught us something early on um, as we were trying to understand the events industry better. Um, and that was really to look at the kind of what we talked about at the beginning, the check average, the amount that your guest is spending per event as a real opportunity for growth. Um, if you notice that your guests are spending less at events, or maybe you just want your guests to spend more at events, um, there are ways that you can encourage them to do so while also reaching that goal of a higher level of hospitality. So the good example that we had is if I walked into a restaurant or a venue and the client came right up to me and said, you know, hi, Mr. Lasseter, you know, I, I know you're really into, I don't know, Oregon Pinots. Um, I've got a great one here for you. Um, that's going to make me feel really good. And then if that person also was able to say, and you know what, we've got a really interesting bottle, you know, on ice right now. Um, if you'd like it, I can bring it out for the table that makes me feel really good because that person is now responding to something that's very personal for me and it's making me feel like very warm but at the same time they're also encouraging me to you know buy another bottle of wine which is going to drive up you know the amount of money that I'm going to spend at the event um, mm -hmm. so it's just a really cool way they actually track that and they look at each one of their individual restaurants and say um, you know, these are folks where you have an opportunity to be able to delight your guests more and, and also to be able to increase that check average. Um, here are some tools to be able to do that better. Uh, but it's very actionable. It's really cool. I'd like to point out at this point, Alex, that um, even though this is being live streamed today um, and we've got people who are tuning in as we, as we speak, um, 
once this is finished today, uh, a copy of the video will go up onto eventindustrynews.com and the audio will also go up onto iTunes as a podcast. So for anybody who is listening or tuning into this um, after the live stream, um, you can still tweet any thoughts and opinions that you've got on what Alex and I have been discussing today to at Event News Blog and use the hashtag EIN podcast. We'd love to know perhaps what your own good habits are, uh, any advice that you would like to push out into the industry of little things that you may do as an event manager, um, examples of things that you've done well that relate to some of the, the topics and the points that we've discussed today. So if you've paid attention to key details, what are those details? What tools are you using? What are the right tools for you and how have you found out that information as an event manager? We'd love to know what people tuning into the podcast are doing in relation to the five habits that we've discussed today, but we'd also love to hear of any other habits that they think make a successful event manager. Um, next week's podcast, um, we're going to be looking at what's killing your events ROI. ROI is a, is a subject that crops up regularly on the podcast and has done over the last few years, um, and people are constantly finding new ways of analyzing and trying to identify um, return of investment um, and what it means. Um, and how they can improve it. So next week we're going to be talking to Brian Anderson from Captivate who's going to be joining the podcast uh, again live um, next Tuesday at 6pm to look at what's killing your events ROI. Um, we're coming to the end of today's podcast and uh, I suppose a bit of a, a flag um, a marker because this is the first podcast that we have streamed live we've had people watching this as Alex and I have been speaking um, and it's also the first one that has been sponsored by N200 GES um, our smart event solution partner for more information on our sponsors N200 and its smart event solutions please do head over to n200.com and find out a little bit more about those guys. Um, what we're going to do now though is wrap up today's episode. Joining us from Raleigh, North Carolina over in the USA, we've had the pleasure of the company of Alex Lassiter from Gather. Alex, thank you very much for your thoughts, opinions, insight today. Thank you. I really appreciate you having me on today. No problem at all. Um, as I said, if anybody has got anything that they would like to put to the podcast, feel free to use at Event News Blog uh, on Twitter and use the hashtag EIN Podcast. For now, we're going to wrap up today's episode. Thank Alex once again, and we'll see you all next week when we welcome Brian Anderson from Captivate to talk about what's killing your events ROI. My name is James Dixon. Thank you very much for tuning in. This is the Event Industry News Podcast. Mm -hmm.